Welcome, and thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Hashtag Be the Good in Your Hood. It's a podcast dedicated to sharing the essential change that can occur in your place, in your neighborhood, and in your life through simple acts of hospitality. We are your hosts, Dave and Jen Colley. Welcome back to another week of Hashtag Be the Good in Your Hood podcast, and we are joined today with Adam Muncy, a longtime Collie friend and just a co-worker for peace and good wherever he has been. Um, he's a dad, a husband, he's a small business owner, uh, he manufactures hair products, which we'll hear more about, uh, he owns a barbershop, he hails from Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, he has a wonderful family, and we're just excited today to have him as our guest as he shares a little bit of his story and how he welcomes and practices hospitality in many different forms and different spaces in his life. So Adam, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about this and celebrate it and it not be a foreign concept and not be stuck in just restaurants and hotels, like hospitality being something we practice and live out. Yeah, that's so good. And that's exactly what we want to do with this podcast is help people understand that it, it's not entertainment. It's not some sort of a service industry. It's a, it's a posture of how we live and how we engage people in every place of our lives, not just for the dinner party or not just at a church function or when we're on mission or we're doing something good for the neighborhood, but it's, it's just how we engage and how we present ourselves to other people as people of welcome, of people of peace. Um, so tell us a little bit about you and maybe what your role is either in your neighborhood or in your place called Kalamazoo. So I run the hair care brand and we own our barbershop. We're right downtown in Kalamazoo. Uh, the cool thing about our shop is we really preach inclusivity um, I know that's kind of a buzzword currently. Some people are really about it. Some people are really um, kind of makes them shudder and push back. For us, when we opened the shop, we said we wanted everybody to feel welcome there. And a big point of that for us specifically, we wanted everyone to be able to walk in and not feel like we couldn't cut their hair. Um, but we also wanted everybody to feel comfortable, whether you were transitioning or of the alternative lifestyle, something like that. I really, really wanted you to feel comfortable. Or if you were the most conservative, backwoods, redneck type person, I wanted you to feel comfortable just the same. If you were a mom bringing in your kid for the first haircut, you wanted the entire spectrum of humanity to be able to come to our barbershop and feel comfortable, feel welcome. That's a really big thing we've always preached. And the coolest thing about that is we're also right next door to um, this dive bar that's been open for right around 100 years. And the thing about a really good dive bar is it's really similar to like Taco Bell at four in the morning. People always say like, you don't know if there's going to be like a Mercedes S-Class followed by like a 1990 Ford Escort held together by duct tape, a good dive bar is kind of the same. And so we feel a lot of kinship community-wise with that. Otherwise, I am a refugee foster dad. So specifically, Michigan welcomes uh, refugees. And instead of kids staying in a group home or a like a border placement, they can be placed with families. So Michigan and Idaho right now. I think Michigan, Idaho, and Utah are the three states where you can do that. So that's something my wife and I have been super passionate about. Yeah, I would say those are my big roles. So tell me a little bit about 
some very specifics that you've done to create this welcome in those places. So obviously you're welcoming people into your home that are displaced, maybe scared, maybe don't speak your language. You have this barbershop that is inviting everyone from every walk of life. How do you welcome them? What What are some specific things that you do f- to make that happen? A big thing that I have noticed makes a difference. Um, the one thing that I've there was a moment when I realized that, you know, like I'm a middle-aged white dad. So inherently, whatever I'm doing is going to be uncool and that's okay. Just accept it, embrace it and move on. So if somebody's coming and I know they're going to speak a different language than me, let's go ahead, learn a couple of phrases, whatever it is. Um, and I'll butcher it, right? Like I know I'm going to do a bad job at it and I'm going to say something wrong, um, but I'm going to make the effort. And as long as I'm making the effort to like meet them there, and not say like, hey, you have to 100% embrace our culture and understand everything we say, because they already came all the way to the United States, like they've made the effort. So if I'm going to learn whatever, yeah, I'm going to try to speak to them in whatever their native language is. That's a big practical thing I've done. Another thing, people always bond over food, like food and drinks. If I think back, the times I felt most welcomed, most cared for, it is somebody that when you get there, they immediately offer you food. I had this one great aunt, cousin, distant lady. Um, her name was Aunt Roberta. And she always, she lived like, for my life, she always lived in this holler in uh, Eastern Kentucky. And when you would go to her house, she would routinely just make you the most elaborate meals, like rivaling Thanksgiving, but it was just, you know, breakfast on a Tuesday. So that's something I always try to push, right? Like if you're at my house, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to offer you a drink. I'm going to have options. And I'm going to I'm gonna go out of my way to celebrate whatever it is about you. One thing in our house, and I know it's not for everybody, but um, my wife does this, and I have to brag on her, is that she always keeps a bottle of champagne in our refrigerator cold, ready to go so that we can celebrate whatever it is you accomplished, right? Like you got a promotion, if you got a new car, like we're down to celebrate whatever thing happened for you, right? And we'll all split this bottle of champagne, popping bottles, because we're excited for you. Um, but we, you know, deliberately set that up to be ready for when those moments happen so that we can really celebrate people. Those are the big things that I would say we always try to stay ahead of, stay ready, be excited for people, especially because now we have two little kids. I can't be super spontaneous. You know, I can't take you out to dinner right away because I heard great news for you. So I do have to be more deliberate, more prepared, have all those things ready. And at the barber shop, setting the tone is a really big thing. My partner's much better at it because he's there all the time. Letting everyone know that everybody's welcome and uh, checking other people to make sure they know everyone is welcome. You know, there's no conversation or side comments after somebody leaves. That's really it. And everybody who comes in being treated with the same level of respect, you know, we're two blocks from the mission and the train station in Kalamazoo. We get a lot of characters from there, but if they come in, ask if they can schedule an appointment when it's going to be, you know, if we make the assumption that they're going to show up, we make the assumption that they're going to be able to pay. And if they're not, you know, we'll kind of cross that bridge later, but you treat them with the same respect, you give them the same answers, you tell them what your availability is. Um, and we do that across the board. They get treated the same as, you know, whatever business owner, doctor, or lawyer has their secretary call us to schedule an appointment for them. So those are the things we do to try to make everybody feel welcome. I think that's really incredible. And I love hearing about um, your experience in the barbershop. I did not realize, I think, the impact of the person cutting my hair until I started moving to different places and realized that the lady that cut my hair when I was 12 She's the only one I still want cutting my hair. And in fact, 
when we lived in California, she's in Kentucky, by the way, when we lived in California, I would schedule haircuts when we came back to visit my family in Kentucky because I wanted her to cut my hair. And I actually, like, I still do this. And she lives an hour from us now, but I still go back to her. And I thought it was really interesting. We were watching this little um, kind of behind the scenes thing about the movie Soul. I don't know if you've seen that, Pixar, but there's a, a scene in there where the guy goes to the barbershop to get his hair cut. And then this little behind the th- scenes thing, one of the things he mentioned was every time you go in to get your haircut, you feel like you're the most important person and your opinion matters and the people there know you. And I just, I'm so fascinated by just how you've explained that of um, really just kind of an understanding of genuine respect for the people that walk in your door. Um, And I think that's just a really valuable piece. I feel like, you know, we talk about the good coming from the practice of hospitality. You are speaking value into the lives of the people that walk through those doors just by um, treating them with respect. And so I think that's really incredible. And and really, that's kind of the question we've just been asking all of our guests this season is, you know, what good have you seen come from the practice of hospitality? And like I said, you've named one of that, but I'm, I'm just curious. And it could be, could be through your business, could be through your home and your neighborhood. Um, but what good do you feel like you have actually seen by doing these practices, by specifically welcoming and welcoming with intention the way you have? There's a lot of different uh, things, right? Because life is not super compartmentalized. By the way, my sister, she did the same practice as you. She moved away and she still went to the same lady who cut her hair when she was a kid. 100 percent. The same piece that you mentioned that we said your barber is one of the most significant like lifelong relationships that you'll have outside of your immediate family. Um, big good that I've seen come from practices of hospitality. We bought a house in 2021, maybe. And we had these neighbors who were maybe in their late 50s, early 60s. And they are kind of like old school neighbors. It's not like a millennial neighbor thing, right? Where like, you don't even talk in the elevator type situation where you might know their dog's names, but these people are neighborly, you know, they bought us a welcome to the neighborhood plant. I don't even know what the, there's probably a name for doing that, but I'm not sure what it is. Um, they planted a garden in our yard because I'm just not that guy. Um, they did all these things, like went out of their way to show us hospitality. They bought our kids Christmas presents. They bought our kids um, uh, Easter, pre- Easter, ba- Easter baskets. They hid the eggs. They did everything. These people have gone so far out of their way. Uh, to make us feel like welcome and wanted in the neighborhood. So that is one that we've always felt really appreciated that they're there. But our kids specifically um, are like super attached to these people. And we notice their self-confidence and their mood elevate when they see them. And it's a different uh, just relationship. But I've seen my kids really benefit from having a good set of neighbors, which is probably something that I lacked for a really long time. The other one specifically in the barbershop, we had one friend who had moved to Florida, adopted two sets of kids out of foster care or a set of brothers out of foster care, moved back to Michigan, and he was a food rep. So he was just selling food to the bar next door. So sells to restaurants all over, selling to them, had a gap, wanted to get a haircut, came in having that first encounter. Hey, who are you? All that sort of stuff and find out he was a foster dad. My partner and I are both foster dads. Since then, he's 
joined our foster dad's non-support group that we host in the barbershop. And the whole relationship has really blossomed out of it. And I think of sort of the struggles that I've personally gone through. I've seen him go through. I've seen a lot of different foster parents go through. It was really like just encouraging to me and uh, just solidified our commitment to what we do, that we were able to see something so significant and necessary come from just a guy who was getting a haircut on his lunch break. Yeah, what I hear in both of those stories, the people that are welcoming on one side or the other, you got to experience welcome from somebody else, right? And your kids built this relationship and just this idea that they feel like they belong with these neighbors. I think that's really powerful. And a lot of times on on this podcast this season, we've heard a lot of people talking about what they've done and not necessarily what how they've reaped the benefits of somebody else doing and being that good. And so it's really kind of fun to hear and just see your kids light up and feel what you said, self-confident and their mood changes when they're around these people. But then on the flip side, you are offering this type of environment to people coming into your business. And through that, you're offering a place to belong for people maybe that are hunting or looking for a place to identify with. And so just the power in the welcome that offers people belonging, um, where do you feel like you belong the most and why? Oh, man. Like, where do I feel the most welcome and the most belonging? That is a good question. I would say, you know, anywhere I am with my family, right? Like, I feel the most peaceful and accepted moments that I've had haven't necessarily been geographical, but my family... My immediate family, obviously the one that I've built, is exposed to my flaws and accepts me just the same and knows me the most intimately. So I would say anywhere I am with my wife and my two children is where I feel the most accepted. And my children are not especially hospitable individuals. If they made me a sandwich, I'm not sure that I could eat it, but that is where I feel the most accepted. You know, I feel like in what you're saying too, um, there's this really cool back and forth with contribution, um, you know, like with your family, like you said, they know your flaws, but there's this giving into who you are. Um, and I love that story about um, the guy that came in for a haircut, but then you guys ended up being a part of a group that encouraged your passion and your feeling of, of purpose. And so I just, I really love that your practice has not only inspired other people, but in doing that, they've also inspired you in what you're doing. And it just, it just seems like such a great circle of. Oh yeah. The Foster Dad's Happy Hour was not an ambitious thing for us to start. It's not like we were looking for a platform or a recognition or anything. It really was just Jake and I complaining about being foster dads again and saying, I don't want to go to another support group or talk to another therapist. I just wish someone would buy me a beer. And then that was it. And because we were kind of at that limit of what we could do, we're like, I'm not going to do a curriculum and it's not going to be a book club. And it's not going to be any of those things just because we selfishly did not want any of those things. And truthfully, if somebody else wanted to host a group, I would jump at it in a heartbeat. But we have the space and guys like to talk in a barbershop. So it made sense. But yeah, my hospitality has been self-serving in many occasions. Yeah, I think it always offers benefit to both, right? If you're if a true hospitality act, for instance, we do believe that it's it always goes both ways. And if it's not, it's probably not hospitality. It's something else, right? It's something with an idea that you're trying to get something, right? It's almost like it's got this ulterior or hidden motive, um, whether it's self-seeking or promotion of self or whatever it is. If it's not going both ways, we're you're not like also open to receiving something back, then it, it may not be hospitality at all. So if you were to give kind of some advice to 
other business owners, for instance. We talk a lot about the neighborhood, but most people spend as much time or the most time where they work and Mm -hmm. maybe specifically as people with ownership of a business looking for ways to say, hey, I want to be a part of my community. And I also, as people come in the door, I want to welcome them and and give them honor and make them feel important. What are some tips or advice that you would give to a business owner wanting to do this in their own space? First and foremost, I would say anytime you're a creator, it starts with taste, right? So whether you're making music, making art, making products, making haircuts, any anytime you create anything, it starts with taste and you have to trust your own taste. So create a space that in which you feel really comfortable. That's one thing that I've noticed. Um, I'll go to a lot of barber shops and they'll say the space doesn't matter, right? Like as long as my craft is good, nothing else matters, which I can understand desire to do that. But you have to make a space where you want to be. And so that's a big thing that that we really push. And it is more than furniture and decorations and old chairs. It's much more about like just creating an entire ambiance and environment where you want to be right and trusting your own taste in that because other people will want to be there as well. That's a big thing, I think. For all creators, you do have to to trust your own discernment and your own taste. That's a really big thing that I would say. And then just in general, inclusivity is is a really big thing. And it doesn't have to be inclusivity, meaning that you're going to lose your own identity or anything like that. Um, we try our very best to make every single person feel welcome that comes into our shop. And so we will have, you know, people who own a dispensary and they will be getting their hair cut next to a Calvinist preacher that was just at the bullhorn protesting, legalizing rec weed. And, you know, if they're both professional and civil and you treat them both professionally and civilly, it'll be all right. And so that's a big thing that I say is just, you know, set your ambiance and then make it inclusive for everybody to be there. So those are the big things that I try to preach. You you seem to do this easily. And I'm, I'm just curious, what is it that keeps you um, motivated to to do this. Like, I don't think it's an easy thing. I mean, the way that you talk about it and just who you are, it just sounds like it, it happens, but, um, I know it, it does take intention and work. And so what is it that keeps you moving that direction? So I will say in general, I'm a pretty introverted person, like 100%. If we're ever going out with friends, it was my wife's idea every single time. Um, yeah, I'm really, really introverted. And it's the same, even with my team at work, like my partner, is very much he'll connect with all of the customers and our coworkers on a effortless level, right? Like he's a very effortlessly likable guy, and I'm much less so. And so it's always a um, I don't know if I would call it a discipline, but it is like a strategic thing. Like I am gonna put it in my calendar of like, hey, I need to check in on this person, see how the pregnancy is going, see how they're feeling about work, all of those sorts of things. Um, so even this it has to be intentional for me. That's a really big thing. But then I think, you know, I've also felt unwelcome. I've also felt like an outsider before. And it's not a great feeling. I don't want other people to feel that way. And I'll say half the times that I felt unwelcome, like the reasons I was being excluded were typically for ignorant reasons, right? Like if somebody's a Nazi and you make a Nazi feel unwelcome, like, okay, like they're a Nazi. I was never any of those things. And the wild thing was most of the things that I was uh, unwelcome for were things that weren't even true about myself. And so, I don't know, it just made me feel like I already feel 
felt uh, bad about it. But then it was like, man, what if that was true? How much worse would I actually feel about this, which has made me want to help people avoid those feelings specifically. So I do have the motivation. But then a lot of it's just discipline. And then discipline is one of those things that the more you do it, the easier it will become. So it's not fun. And then a lot of days, it's just straight discipline where you're like, I have to be nice. You know, last week, I had I probably met 1500 people. And for me as an introvert, a number 500, it was tough to care. And I was just getting by on self-discipline. But, you know, if I remember my motivation, why I want them to know who we are, and that they're, you know, they're humans, they're made in the image of God, they matter, they have a whole life story, and just being disciplined, reminding myself of that, I can do it. It's not too difficult. Well, this has been a really, really awesome conversation uh, with somebody that I just have always respected. And I know we live in different places in the country and kind of keep track of each other via social media or emails or something. But just seeing your life, your intention, uh, your your willingness to be gritty, because it is hard. It is hard to be intentional in things that aren't fun. And oftentimes being a good neighbor or being welcoming in a business is hard. Creating space Places where people feel at ease and at peace are are hard. And so it's just an honor for us to hear and hear a couple of those stories and see you actually living this out. I would love to offer opportunity for people. Maybe they're listening in Michigan somewhere and they want to pop by and see you or they want to connect with you. Uh, I know we have listeners that you know, are also in foster care, you know, maybe they want to reach out and and ask you a question or find out more about your story. Is there a way for them to get a hold of you or what's the best way to do that? Yeah, all things Samson's Hair Care, at Samson's Hair Care on everything. There is no P in Samson's. So at Samson's Hair Care on everything. Before we're done, though, can I tell you, you guys, when you were moving to Omaha or New Orleans or wherever you moved, before Kentucky. This was forever ago. We were sitting at your house. Somebody knocks on your back door, which already was weird that somebody knocked on your back door. Um, And it was just some random kid with just a bag of fish that he caught that he was just bringing over to show you like his bag of fish. And I was just like, what in the world is happening? And yeah, you come back and you're like, yeah, this is this kid that catches fish and he shows me his fish. And that's just like, he lives in my neighborhood and this is our relationship that we have. And you told the kid you were moving. He's like, oh man, now this whole neighborhood's going to hell. Which is such a tiny thing that you were doing. Like you're just looking at the fish that this kid would regularly catch apparently. But it was enough. It was significant enough that he took the time out to come show you his fish he caught every time. And that you were the only good thing left in this neighborhood was this guy that looks at my fish that I catch sometimes. It's very encouraging that like, Whatever small thing you can do can be fairly significant in somebody else's life. So wow. I remember that 12, 13 years later, whatever it was. I love that. And I'm sure that kid remembers the guy who used to just look at the fish that he caught all the time. Oh, man. And that and that is super encouraging, I think, for us. Um, even in the neighborhood we have now, I, I walked in the, the house the other day and looked out in the backyard, and there's Dave and a little kid digging in the garden. And I was like, oh, goodness, what is... <laughs> Who's, who's taking the cucumbers? Um, and sure enough, Dave's just, you know, out there digging up vegetables and sharing them with the kids in the neighborhood. Um, and I think it's kind of like what you said as far as why we do this. Sometimes though, we do need to be reminded um, and encouraged to keep doing it because it is significant. And it it is sometimes seemingly a small thing, but it, it makes a big difference. So thank you for sharing that. That's super encouraging today. Of course, of course. 
Yeah, I think as we end here, I think the the encouragement that I'm kind of feeling in this, and one, thank you for sharing that story. I kind of forgot about that kid. I don't even remember his name, which is terrible. Um, but I do remember him bringing these fish all the time to let us see. But the thing I kind of want to encourage our listeners to take away with is what you said about finding your place and finding what makes you feel comfortable. And I think oftentimes when we talk about neighboring, whether it's in our neighborhood or we're in a a business, sometimes we we get this notion that we have to be something we're not. And we have to try to do things that really are great for someone else. But ultimately, we're just creating a space where we can be ourselves so they feel safe enough to be themselves. And I, I would say your neighbors that love on your kids probably just like life, right? They love gardening and they love celebrating. And you moved in and they're like, oh, well, let's just celebrate with these guys. And so I think my encouragement to our listeners this week is find what you love about your place. Really identify what you love about life and celebrate that well with others so that you can give people the opportunity to then celebrate their own lives and celebrate what they're good at and what they love. Because when we both do that, I think our our communities are stronger. Our families are stronger when they see us playful enjoying each other, even if there's differences. And I think your your barbershop does that. It doesn't matter who you are, what you're wearing, what you smell like. This craft is for you. And we love doing this craft, and we're going to invite you in, and we're going to treat you like a king. We're going to value your opinion. And I just, I think that's just such a powerful story. So as you think about this week, go out and be the good in your hood and love where you live. 